Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously with actual rugby to talk about on this particular pod. Get in. Uh, I'm Tim. That there is JB. Topless JB. Yes, it's very hot today, and uh, yeah, I thought I'd, well, there's no one here. Now, JB, you're actually dressed like your posture in the rugby dungeon demands, <laughs> being, <laughs> being drawn like one of your French girls. Yes, quite, quite. Uh, well, it isn't the chaisons, but it does look like it's angle. And not much more clothes on Phil right now. How are you doing, Phil? Hello, Tim. Slightly more clothes. On, uh, certainly on the half of uh, me that you can see, there are more clothes than JV. <laughs> uh, is that an NRL vest that I spy? It is an NRL vest. It is. There you go. Canterbury Raiders. Did you get that from an official source or from uh, China? Uh, I got this from an official source. It, it's about five years old now. But, oh, right. Um, it, it was from... Uh, Lover Rugby or Pro Direct Rugby is one of those ones, but a UK sort of whatever that DH uh, is. Little tip: DH Gate um, is, is like this Chinese website, and I got a uh, oh a team that play in um, something Tigers. Who play in Tigers? Who are the Tigers in uh, NRL? Playing Maroon. Uh, oh no, no, it was, that, it was an actual um, the Maroons, as in Queensland. It was an actual Queensland. Oh, okay, yeah, NRL yeah. vest. So the, the state of origin. Team. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I do. I do quite like the gear. Mine is while it, while it's not um, from China, it does have a. There you go. Huawei. Huawei branding on it. I, so I, I'm not a fan of anything Chinese now. I'm very much in that in that hard camp of saying no Huawei, <laughs> uh, no Chinese imports, no nothing. <laughs> no five G. No five G. No. <laughs> Vaccinations. Uh, yeah, bats. <laughs> Pan- yeah pangolins are okay right pangolins yeah. are lovely cute <laughs> leave them alone uh, right um let, let's get on with this podcast and thank you for listening we've got a second podcast coming in your feed which will be tomorrow if you're listening to this on monday when it's released or else it's in your feed right now and that's about the uh, as we talk about the classic game dubbed game of the century from the year 2000 between australia and new zealand uh, we'll get into that but it's new zealand we're going to start because we've actually got actual rugby to watch 
And I yeah. must confess, I, I'm, I've never really paid for a few years now. I haven't really paid any attention to Super Rugby particularly, but I was all over this like a rash. Yeah, I, I'm like you, Tim. I, last time I paid proper attention to Super Rugby was when Larkin played for the Brumbies and Brumbies won everything. That was the last time I really paid loads of And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then ever since then, I just, you know, I watch the Haguares when I'm absolutely hammered after, uh, you know, the beers. <laughs> Uh, come home early after playing for Talk H. Sometimes I did that, but to be honest, I, this you know, like you, this is the first time I've probably watched it. It was okay, wasn't it? It was good. Well, let's let's just talk about the positive part, the the spectacle first. And I'm not gonna um, go overboard on it because there are lots of reasons and lots of different factors involved. The, the population density of New Zealand being one of them, but fair play on getting live sport up and running and being, being in a position where they can have a live crowd. Fair play. Nice to see. I mean, that's yeah. first, just good to see people having a beer, enjoying sports. Uh, it, was, it was just good. It reminded you a, a little bit of the olden days of normality. Mm. Yeah, and seeing some of the shots of the crowds where there's people grouped together, hugging, enjoying a beer, even though it was 8am uh, on a Saturday morning when you're watching it, I was like, God, I'd love to be there right now. Yeah, I just exactly. love to be there. So fair play to New Zealand for, for making that happen. Now, there's ah. a few things out, ironing out on this. Um, was there a restriction on the amount of people you can have in the crowd? Uh, or, I, don't, I don't think so. It was sold were, out. The Blues game was a sellout, 41,000, wasn't it? Yeah, so that's what I thought. So the Blues game had 40,000 in. But the Hurricane, the, sorry, sorry the, the Chiefs Highlanders game was pretty much empty. I think there's still 20,000 reported in there. In the oh, Cape Tin? Cape Tun? It's a 30-plus thousand-seater stadium. It, it, was, yeah. it was half full. D- Dunedin's not a, not a huge place, is it? No. no. Either. Uh, so I, wasn't, I was just confused because when I watched it, I thought, oh, maybe they're selling every third seat or whatever it is. Then when I heard there's 41,000 in uh, Auckland, I thought, oh, well, I wonder how they've done that. No, it was because I, th- I think until a couple of weeks ago, there were talks about there being restrictions. So I, I did see something. It was maybe even in the last week where they lifted the restrictions so there was no restrictions on tickets. But that also, given that there was only um, restrictions taken off a week before the game, that might have contributed to fewer people turning up in Dunedin. And we got the whole programme as well. It was quite interesting. Well, just purely from a geeky point of view, um, you know, as someone that has been involved in the rugby broadcasting in the UK domestic rugby, it was quite interesting to see a whole programme from first shot to, to goodbyes from the Sky Sports New, New Zealand to, to see how they do it. Um, what did you think? I thought it was comparable that there's, they, they strike a similar tone that BT Sport does where they, they know what they're talking about, but they try and um, feel the energy of, of, of rugby clubs and rugby crowds and actually make it feel quite relaxed. There's a lot of bants. There's yeah. a lot of hashtag bants. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit too much hashtag bants, but... Too was much. Bit, wasn't there? Uh, the, the guys, it's weird because I would assume that I would have known who the people were talking. So on BT Sport, they'll have you and, um, or Craig Doyle or whoever. No, I'm, I'm not frontline. You know, Doyler and Bafes and... Or yeah. Sarah, Sarah with yeah. with Ben and Austin and Hugo. Yeah, but Lawrence. You get, the, you get the professional broadcaster, don't you? And then 
the ex-players, who are still professional broadcasters, but you know who they are. So in New Zealand, they might not know you or, or, or um, Craig Doyle, but they would know probably Bates and, and Ben Kay and whatnot. Do, 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 do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised. I had zero idea, even when the names were up, who the, who the contributors were for the Highlanders versus Chiefs game. Zero idea. And then they sort of went into this. It was weird because there was part commentator, part, not, sorry, sorry, part contributor, part fan. And it's a little bit of like, yeah, get on over those cheeks. I, I felt that was a bit weird, a bit awkward. I, I quite like the, the partisan commentary more when it's international, though. Like when it's club, it does feel a bit weird to have a one eyed perspective. But internationally, yeah. I love it. Like, who cares about the Highlanders that much? I mean, I like, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> Like, you'd really struggle, wouldn't you, if you're BT Sport, to find the rabid Newcastle fan who used to be a player and the <laughs> rabid Irish fan that used to be a player. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. It, it, was, it was enjoyable. It was different. Yeah, so just, just like you say, I think the, the biggest thing was just seeing rugby on the telly again felt great. Seeing people having a beer, seeing rugby with a proper atmosphere. I think BT and the football, um, the, the, the German Football League has, has shown that actually piping in the audio isn't that bad. It can actually be quite good if it's done yeah. well. The NRL will do it too. I think it's fine. Yes, you're right. Exactly, NRL as well. But um, it, it was great. Um, and also, just I, I quite liked it that some of them clearly had been able to... Well, this could just be New Zealanders, but some of those players managed to get out on a field without having the chance to have gone to a barber's. But again, I think that might just be <laughs> New Zealand. Oh, uh, awful, weren't they? Some of the blues, the colours on some of the blues boys, they've been to a barber's, but they've maybe had some bad advice. Yeah, uh, to, to a Pilotto. Is that, no, is that what you're going to say? Pitruck, to a Pilotto. Yeah, his hair was spectacular. It was spectacular. I've not actually seen that style before. I, I thought I'd seen it all, but no. We had a tweet come in just uh, asking if uh, the Exeter barber has, been, has gone AWOL <laughs> and has turned up uh, on the other side of the world. Emigrated. Should <laughs> <laughs> we did Blues Hurricanes game first? Because I'm going to be honest, I did watch both of them, but I fell asleep during one. So yeah. uh, we can... now I saw something. Well, I don't know if this is real or not, but I saw someone posted. Apparently, there was like a channel or a red button option where you could just purely watch Bowden Barrett. There's a Bowden Barrett Kim. You can just watch him. I know. They they, why, they were hi- they were hyping it up unbelievably. It was all about Bodie, wasn't it? Yeah. So here's something for you, and uh, you know, please bear in mind, when I watch this, I'm not watching the Premiership, so I don't really know who these guys are. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't know. So it's, it's going to sound ridiculously naive to people who do watch uh, New Zealand rugby all the time. But I was amazed this weekend of the two guys that I could think of that have played in the All, the all Black shirt, and also with quite some distinction, in Bowden Barrett and Damien McKenzie, both of which were playing at 15. I have zero idea who... Jackson Gordon Bashup is not Bishop Bashup, and Otti and Ottier Black. No idea, but the, but but they're very good, and it makes me very very worried about the future of rugby in New Zealand and what they're going to do to the Northern Hemisphere when these guys all you know all grow up and all start gelling and whatnot. Same for the other game too. Oh, Ottier Black had a good game. He's a young lad who's really talked up as having big potential, and don't forget. Bowden Barrett's been pushed to 15, and Dan Carter's in the squad as well. So, <laughs> this kid. 
Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, the, the water boy quality of the blues was incredible. Da- Dean Carter and uh, Tana Umaga <laughs> running the water on. That's pretty tidy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just start with the uh, blues hurricanes. Um, I, okay. It's hard not. It was nice that rugby's on. I enjoyed it whilst I had the, the, ball, the ball in the hand and it looked very much like super rugby as I know it. I don't want to moan too much, but I just felt the whole spectacle was ruined by the officiating. And I think I counted 30 penalties in, in the whole game. There was 31. It was 31. Thank you. Um, there's something like a penalty every two minutes in, in a, period of, a period of the second half. And I just can't understand for the life of me why when you're the first competition back and the eyes of the world are on you, there's like 20-odd countries watching this game, why would you decide with this competition to go with not... I know they're not new rules, there's a, a re-emphasis on existing laws, sorry, not rules. Why would you do that? Because even you know, the players struggle to adapt and we were just watching players go from penalty to penalty. People whinge about scrums. Okay, there were no scrums or very few scrums, but what was the point if all you're going to do is penalise people? It's, it is frustrating in, in these games because they, they were overall good games and some remarkable tries and remarkable bits of skill. Yeah. But I, I, I think a, uh, an overwhelming number of people will actually come away from these two games with a, um, a similar view to yours, JB, which, which is frustrating. And... and I think they. I think it's slightly miscalculated how quickly the players would adapt to these rule changes, and I actually think the players will adapt quite quickly. As in, by the fifth game, say the fifth game of this ten-game competition, I think it will be that. So there was thirty, thirty-one penalties in one game, and I think it was twenty-eight in the other game. They are huge numbers for any game. Like normally, more than twenty is big. Um, so. This, this is an overwhelmingly large number of penalties. I think by the, the fifth game, this will change, not because the referee referees changing, uh, but because of players becoming smarter. Because if you're giving three points away and you're giving 30, 40 yards downfield for, for basic errors, you are going to correct that. Yeah, and if you're a bad team and you get to grips with this quickly, you might find yourself in whatever... Well, if, did they have a playoff? It sounds like if it's a 10-game season. I think it's, no, I think it's just the, the winner at the top, the winner after 10 games. I can actually come at this from a slightly different angle. With this being the only show in town at the minute, it doesn't really matter what spectacle they serve up because it's not. Uh, it's not. It's, it's, it's like shopping at a motorway services. Okay, where else are you going to go? You're yeah. going to pay. You're going to pay that much for that Mars bar. Nine you? quid. Nine quid for yeah. a microwaved Ginsters pasty. Exactly. Oh, okay then. So yes. and, and and like Phil says, give it a, give it a few games and the adjustments will be made. And what it, what was nice, I can say, was seeing the offside line, for example, actually being officiated. And you can see in a few weeks' time when players have adjusted to this, and it's without thinking they're stepping off the extra yard, and and not creeping up. Then it will create more space, and you'll see more of the type of rugby we want to see. Similarly well, with the breakdown, they'll, they'll get used to the breakdown, which again, you know, for, for anyone that doesn't know, and Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're pretty good on the detail with this. One of the things is players aren't allowed to roll, uh, ball carrier isn't allowed to make multiple movements when they hit the deck, lay the ball back or play it straight away or leave it and that's it. And, yeah. and the tackling player has to roll away immediately and they've said, 
to make it easy so you can't try and con anyone that you were trying to get out of the way but actually slow the ball down do it towards the nearest touchline so okay so there's a few things things with this which i don't necessarily like um let's go with the obvious one the first and most obvious one which is we say the rugby we want to see I guarantee you, right, if you just let these two teams play under the old rules, we'd have seen one hell of a game. I mean, we did see a good game. We saw 50-odd points, or exactly 50 points scored. So no no problem there. You know, as a wise man once said, let the boys play. You know, this is a classic example. Just use some mouse and officiate in the best interest of the game. But the the offside line actually is only, as Phil said, enforcing what is already a law and actually getting the referees... Right, this time, for once, will you, will you bloody blow up when a team's offside? And that will, a bunch of the penalties were for offside. Loads of them were. And that, no. will, that will have the impact of meaning that we can let the boys play because they'll have the time that they're supposed to have. So the other thing on this as well was um, the rolling away. So I think it's a really important part of rugby. You have the ball, you hit the deck, you make a single roll, and you work hard on the floor to get your body in the right position. I don't know why people want to get rid of that. I mean, does anyone can you think of a good reason? So I, I actually quite like that that law change. Um, yep. and I'll, I'll explain why. And yeah, I think I, I think it will actually have more of a benefit for the teams attacking than the old way of playing. And I'll, I'll try and explain what I mean by that. So in the past, players they they basically obsessed with going forward. And whether uh, that's that's the way it appears, and whether it's due to um, always thinking forward is better, or it's their own individual stats, and if they have an extra roll and a little crawl, they get an extra three meters on their their carrying stats, so it looks better at the end of the day. Got all enough ten- FRD points, Phil. Come on. Well, yeah, you do that ten times a game. I'm, you I'm with this, Phil, but carry, uh, but carry on. So, in in the old under the old rules, players were doing that quite a lot players would get tackled and they'd have a little roll, they'd have a little crawl and then they'd lay the ball back. That is being stamped out. And we saw it a few times where what would have previously been a perfectly legitimate or certainly officiated perfectly legitimately was penalised. Now, what you're actually going to see is a faster breakdown and a more consistent breakdown for the attacking team to clear out and blitz over because you know as soon as the man hits the deck, You've not got three seconds. You have got to be over the ball immediately and the ball will be available immediately, which actually I think will give faster front football and better attacking ball and less time for the the defence to settle. So I think unwittingly that this is going to benefit teams who were doing it differently. Like Teams would have been better doing it this way previously because they would have got faster ball. I'm dubious on that because I don't see the point of rolling on the floor to be for the purposes of gaining you an extra yard. I see it as the purposes of rolling to get yourself in a better body angle. And also you do it to destabilize a potential jackler. So you roll into their shins, you roll, 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 you place the ball long, and it just gives you maybe a second or two. Uh, I don't think it'll speed up the game, but I'm not even sure if it was there to speed up the game. Is it not there to help the defences? I don't think it's there to help the defences or the attack necessarily. I, I think it's, it's partly... I can see how it could simplify things because you're, it, it, as, as Phil says, the competition is, is hit the deck. The competition is one, two seconds and then, well, that's it. You can't, you, can't, you can't then compete for the ball. Whereas if you truncate this 
tackle process by people rolling around all over the place. So I think it maybe is simplifying it. And also, I, th- I think one of, the, one of the good consequences that, again, we'll, we'll, we'll judge this in a few weeks' time, but I think what we might end up seeing is people thinking that actually trying to give an offload or avoid just, go, just mowing it into contact might be a better option on occasions because it will be less of a lottery. And I, so it, I think it might have that impact. Yeah, you're actually right there, Tim. I'm, I'm just thinking, so if it's a more fluid movement, if I'm a defender and a particularly good jackler, I will be able to time that perfectly. As when the guy goes in, I know he can't roll, I know he can't do, do anything sneaky. And we put the ball back, and I'll be ready to get that ball as and when. So, yeah, it does actually sound like the solution might actually be keep it in hand, which I don't like that much, really. Or, or the support play is absolutely essential, and that that will be how it adjusts. You'll, you you can't let just one one or two players go in together. You'll need to have numbers there, which will that will change the game slightly. Both the fitness of players, the style of play, it will create maybe pockets of space elsewhere. Who knows? We don't know yet. Let's see how it unfolds. What if the standing mall might come back? Maybe Worth, stay on your feet. You're not allowed to choke choke tackle now. Stay stay on, stay on your feet. It might just be a better way to recycle ball. And the last thing is rolling away to the nearest sideline. I mean. I think at this point, it'd only be fair if you drew a line which went right down the middle of the field. Because if you're in, in centre field, it's sometimes pretty hard to realise exactly where you are and which way you're going to roll. Yeah. roll. What, if you're attack- what if you're juggling from that angle too? You've got three options now. So previously, you, only had, you could roll backwards, you couldn't roll forwards. So you only had two directions. One was illegal and one was legal. Now, because you can roll to the sides And also, you can still roll backwards. So you actually have four options, three of which are legal and one is illegal. So it just gives the the tackler more options. I I think generally speaking, it's just trying to eliminate those times when a player tries to look like they're getting out the way, but actually are slowing up the ball. Yeah, Wales historically have been very, very good at this. Yeah. Like rolling, like one roll over the ball, then one roll towards the scrum half, and then like crawl away, and all of all the while you're slowing the opposition ball down, but showing a picture to the referee that makes it look like you're getting out of the way. Yeah, yeah or do, doing it with hands out, you know, like uh, yeah. doing it with hands out. Oh, I'm trying to get out of the way, ref. Yeah, yeah. totally. Frantically kicking at the ball with your feet too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have I, the rolling away. I, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I don't like the idea that it's a law you have to roll to the nearest sideline. I mean, if you just made it, if you just roll out the way and get out of the way, that's fine, right? And they should make it so you your roll doesn't interfere with play. Yeah, that be, yeah, that nearest sideline. Let, let's judge how this plays out because there are always unintended consequences. But I'm broadly speaking, I quite like it. The, the one law we've not mentioned that wasn't needed this time is on the bonus point as well, where you can only score a try bonus point if you are three tries or more ahead of your opponent. Which, so, the, so yeah, that, that's been in super rugby and in French rugby for a while. Right, okay. That, that position... So it gives yes, both correct. teams something to play for. So you could you could try and be belligerent. You could be being pumped, but go, if we just score, we're going to get nothing out of it, but we're going to deny them an extra point. Yes. So I quite, I quite like that. I didn't realise it had been used 
because as I say, I haven't watched Super Rugby very much. So there you go. Yeah, it's been used for a few years that in, in French rugby as well. Yeah, I like it. I like it. No, I gotta say, I, I quite like the Blues. I'm, I'm quite into what they do. I like the style of play. Um, I think Rico Rico Ioani. Seems like he's quite good. Seems like he might have a few. <laughs> Own, uh, what, one, one of the owners of an egg chaser's tie. Yeah, yes, he is. Him and, and Bowden Barrett. Yeah, him and Bodie. Bet so, they were wearing. Oh, Rico yeah. Ioani will be interesting to see where he plays long term. He so looks I, good at I do like it. I, I mean, he's absolutely rapid. He's a big, strong boy. He can. He, I, think, I think when he was younger, his um, favorite position and preferred position was 12. Um, he's played virtually all of his um, international rugby as a winger, um, but has been pushing for the last couple of seasons to be playing in the centre for the Blues. So, and he's still he's still a very young man. Mm. So, I quite like how pragmatic the Blues are. Like they they will do what is necessary. Uh, so there was a lot of I know everyone says, oh, you know, play what's in front of you. Uh, it's an evasion game. No, not necessarily for the Blues. They do like to get three, uh, sorry, uh, three players into position, ball carrier, and then two guys around and just run aimlessly at a man. I always appreciate that. And it worked too. <laughs> and I can't help but think if, if the referee hadn't involved himself so often in this game, Blues would have run up one hell of a score. Yeah, they were, they were by far the better team. And the, the Blues, so I'm, being someone who has watched a bit of Super Rugby over the last few years, and um, over the last few years has been a bit of a Hurricanes fan. Um, Hurricanes have been considerably better for, than the Blues for a good number of years. The Blues have actually been considerably the worst team in New Zealand for a long period of time. It's the Despite... Marchant effect, even though he wasn't, even not on the field, the <laughs> Marchant effect is huge. He's, he's brought that Quinn's culture across. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, where, uh, where was Marchant? Not involved. They're, they're saving him and Dan Carter, Dan Carter for the big matches. <laughs> Is he injured or, or what? Let's see. Sure. Uh, he's only been with the squad for about 10 days. Yeah, but he's Dan Carter. Uh, true, but he's also 37. It's nothing, mate. It's nothing. Uh, it's, well, it's nothing. Have you seen that just on that? Um, Sergio Parise has re signed for another year for Toulon and he will be 37 in September. Yep, yep. Uh, well, he's on the pantheon of great players in, in their late 30s. Sergio. Yeah. Carter, and of course myself, he'll be uh, <laughs> at Stock H for one more season as a player. One more a, year. One more year, yeah. Um, Sergio, is, he's, he's a godlike rugby player and he's trying to defy all of the gods. Hurricanes <laughs> have tried to stop him from finishing his career. Uh, and now, now, now a global pandemic. Maybe we, should all, maybe we should all be fearful that Sergio is going <laughs> to keep lacing up his boots. What's next? Earthquake. <laughs> Volcanoes. Uh, yeah, R- Rico Ioani as a 13 is, is, in, is an interesting one to watch. What will the All Blacks do? Um, some really good young players as well. I'd never heard of Caleb um, Black before. He looks a baller. The uh, winger, the Blues winger, uh, Talea. Oh, Talea. He's, Mark yeah. Talea. Powerful he, kid. He is class. And um, I don't believe he's, he's been near an All Black squad yet. Um mm. But his, um, I saw someone tweet, I think it was Russ Petty, um, tweeted, yeah, he's, he's 20, 23 year old, years old, Mark Talia. Um, he tweeted his uh, defenders beaten for this year's Super Rugby competition. And it's like, 
um, six, eight, nine, eight, six, eleven. It's unbelievable stats. Um, who's got stats like, like stats like that? Someone he wouldn't expect. Who doesn't score that much? Uh, Harlequin's winger. What's his name? Uh, Nathan Earl. Ibitoy. Uh, Ibitoy. Yeah. Ibitoy, yeah. Defenders beating stats. Yeah, he's very good. But yeah, uh, Talia. Let's let's see him in an All Black squad fairly soon. I would have thought. Up in the pack, I liked Satutu. Uh, the number Oscar, eight. Eight. I thought New Zealand have got some good Lucy's, good young Lucy's, haven't yeah. they? What does Lucy? Is Lucy an eight? Or is back it row. Well, just back row. Generic back row. Lucy, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, the, side eight. The two, the two Lucys on the Hurricanes bench are Ardy. two. The, uh, is Ardy and Vea Fafita. Yeah, are two two of the best bench. I mean, not that they had a big impact on the game at all, but. Um, they're two of the best bench um, back row pairs you could ever imagine. Some power there, power and pace there, yeah. yeah it was and good, it. it was good. And it was a comfortable win for the Blues in the end. Looked like it wasn't going to be. Great try from Dane Coles, doing yeah. what Dane Coles does, finishing like a winger. And I really liked the moment after he scored it when a load of the Hurricanes ran over to the corner. Bowden Barrett had tried to dive <laughs> head, headlong into Dane Coles to get him into touch, didn't manage it. But all the Hurricanes players wrapped up Bowden Barrett, hugging him. In the try celebrations, which is a nice moment. Yeah. Another moment which I really liked. So Dane Cole scores the try, and uh, I knew what was coming next. Oh, why can't all hawkers be like Dane Cole's on the wing? Is but yeah, blah 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 blah. Right, I I knew it was coming, and then literally seconds, well minutes later, uh, he gets burned on the wing by a combination of uh, I uh, Yuani and Yuani. But the other winger is, and I thought, there you go. Uh, Caleb Clark. Um, Caleb said, Clark, not Caleb Black. Why did I say Caleb Black? Anyway, doesn't matter. Because of Otia Black. Yes. Oh, right okay, off. yes. Um, absolutely burned him. I thought, there you go. There, there is a lesson why front row should not be hanging around. <laughs> on. Yeah, you can, you can only do it so many times or you're going to get caught out. Yeah, exactly. So I really enjoyed that. A little bit of his own medicine dished out to him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did did you both watch much of the other game, the Highlanders uh, Chiefs yeah. Chiefs game? I forgot yeah. about it, and then re- I remembered um, half an hour in, so I missed the first half hour. But um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I got up to watch this an hour and a half early. <laughs> I couldn't sleep, so I couldn't sleep. I watched it twenty minutes in, I then fell asleep until the. Point Hold on, you watched Perfect. the Blues Hurricanes game live at four thirty a.m. Maniac, maniac. Uh, and you know the um, Chiefs. Ha- I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping, I was hoping the Chiefs might play like uh, Wales or like the when they won the European European Cup. But instead, they bored me with expansive rugby and clever little trick plays from lineouts. Let's not talk about the rugby first. Let's talk about a few of the other things. Firstly, the the, the post match interviews with the players wearing sponsors caps like their F one. Uh, people <laughs> is, is that the, is that the way the things are going to go maybe um, also the the music in the Cape Tin Stadium in Dunedin no it wasn't the Cape Tin mate well, it was um, was it not the Cape Tin it's not the Cape Tin yeah it's not the Cape Tin which one's the Cape Tin it's, Cape Tin well, is Wellington I think oh okay 
Is that House of Pain? Have I made yeah, that? maybe, maybe. Anyway, the um, the music in there was as old school as ever. Nothing, nothing less than fifteen years old. So great to see. And and it, the, it a lot of when Chris Moyles took over from your job job and took the station back fifteen years. <laughs> well, he took the he took the audience back. Um, he he, halved, he halved the audience we had on XFM as well. <laughs> and, and, and you know, still, do you know, still, I'm not, I'm not bitter about this at all. By the way, I'm, I'm very happy on Virgin Radio. Thank you very much. But uh, he halved the audience when he arrived that I managed to build up over my tenure, and then they've, they've never, despite all the advertising, despite it being on a big full UK nationwide rather than the smaller little footprint we had, still never managed to get the audience as big as I had it in, in Manchester. Exactly, and never. and his rugby podcast is terrible. <laughs> it's true. Very true. He's pre pre and post match interviews as well. Awful. Yeah, dreadful. So, but uh, um, yeah, oh, and the and the outfits that the um, that the I'm trying to think. with the team? Coaching staff for the Highlanders. The coach. The coaching staff for the oh. Highlanders dressed like lumberjacks. Yeah, I can't get my. I, it's like a malfunction in my mind. I can't get my head around whether I love it or hate it or. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. The chinos were really baggy. Like it was, it was weird. The ch- the chinos they were wearing were more like those old cargo pants you used to wear. And yeah, then then the shirts were uh, are made so you don't tuck them in. The checkered, yep. the plaid shirts, so you have them untucked. And then with like a kind of bomber jacket with a sheepskin collar on top. Because you don't know where you are, do you? You don't know if the sheepskin collar is a personal item which are accessorising with, or it's actually part of the uniform. And I think it is part of the uniform. It is part of the uniform. They were they all wearing have, them. They, they, should, they, should, they should have Highlanders axes with Highlanders. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, I, I think I like it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an outrageous look. I mean, could you imagine going to, a, like, an, uh, JB, your favourite rooftop bar, in, be it in Manchester or Barcelona or wherever you want to go, could you imagine going dressed like that? No. Yeah. No, but more than it's more than that, isn't it? So let's just say you finished a game with your, you know, your your Highlanders buddies, the whole team, whole coaching staff. You had a, you had a famous win, right? What are we doing now, guys? Not only could you not imagine going to a a rooftop bar in that outfit, imagine going in a rooftop bar with that outfit when everyone you're with is wearing exactly the same <laughs> outfit. <laughs> Well, maybe that's the only way you can do it, safety in numbers. I remember Stockport um, Rugby Club when they were, not at the height of their powers, but when they were doing very, very well, uh, obviously, you know, Northwest team. We used to see them out in town, or in Didsbury, and they always had the same matching shirts. But what they would do is, instead of wearing Stockport colours, they would get, like, um, I don't know, I think at the time, like, pink, do you remember, like, pink shirts with, like, a blue stripe down? Uh, like, salmon and pink uh, uh, striped shirts. They'd have something like that, um, and they'd all they'd all be in the same outfit, and it looked absolutely class. And then year after that, I think they had like vest tops, you know, like small um, knitted vest tops. Oh, very cool! Like over a shirt, like a yeah, like what do you a call jumper it? vest, sweater yeah, vest, sweater vest. That's exact exactly what it is. But I think you get safety numbers there. Now, I would like to expand this principle um, because I'm sort of slowly growing to like it. Uh, to other clubs, I mean, maybe Sale Sharks coaching staff should all wear like Parkers. <laughs> That's <laughs> embrace, cool. Embrace the Manchester scene. I oh, like yeah. that. 
You know, there, there's, uh, and actually there's lots to be said for this. So I think in fairness, Northampton are already there. They've got t- Team Tweed and they also wear churches. Northampton is indeed the home of shoes. So there is, there is a little bit of that going on. Now, I don't know if the history of um, wherever the Highlanders are based is lumber, uh, lumberjacking. But if it is, yeah, okay. I'm into it. So yeah. ex- Exeter team ex- tin mine hats. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Exeter the tin men, which is what I want to call them, is there's not really much mining around that area. It's not no. quite. But don't let that don't, don't let that ruin the story you know get you know, get get your hard hats on get, get your little lumps no, on. do you know what because they're in like the you know the english riviera it's a it's a more temperate climate down there they should they should be like in sort of summer linen white yeah white linen yeah <laughs> with boater hats that'd be that, that'd be ideal and also you can have a ribbon around the hat if you've got 50 caps i, I think the exeter they definitely have some tweed as yeah. as club stash I remember seeing them, some of the boys, like Noel and Yendel and other lads. All... Yeah, it's a green colour, though, which is... Yeah, it's yeah. quite sure is what they go for. It's very nice. It, 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 I think that kind of look fits well when you've got uh, 30 blokes, 30 massive blokes all wearing it. Yeah. And, of course, don't forget Canterbury, who would have to basically dress up as administrators. Yeah. Not, not, not Canterbury. Uh... Brumbies. <laughs> yeah. Australian cat. You see, just, they'd have to just dress up as bureaucrats. <laughs> uh, yes. Sorry, we've some, somewhat segued there. But I agree with you, Tim. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think I like it. Did you enjoy the finish of this game? I loved the, it. The two, <laughs> the two drop goals from uh, Mackenzie's drop goal and then... The, um, the Bryn Gatland drop goal to win it with a minute and a half left on the clock when he's not supposed to be playing and his old man is the opposition coach. Beautiful. It's too beautiful, isn't it? Really? Warren, Warren Gatland would have loved that secretly. He wouldn't have been able to show it, but inside, like, we're all dads now. Yeah. Imagine he would have been, uh, he's a coach first, but, but you're a dad first. And so I bet inside he was, he was fist pumping. I, I guarantee it. So I, I, I genuinely believe in this case that is true. However, when, <laughs> when England under Owen Farrell beat Ireland under Andy Farrell, uh, I'm, I'm 100% certain <laughs> that, yeah, Andy Farrell is not happy about that. That's a fair yeah. point. I agree. Um, and again, another fly-half not involved, Aaron Cruden on the bench. Yeah, he's been used on the bench a bit this year by, by the Chiefs, I think. Good God. What goes one, of the, on? one of the many players that was linked with the Bath fly-half role that no one seems to want. Mm. That is an interesting one, because presumably he joined the, the Chiefs when? I mean, it can't have been... It must have been pre-COVID, right? Yeah, it was. It, it was. Because he, he was at Montpellier, wasn't he? Yeah, so he's available. They've got they've got cash. I wonder why that never happened. Yeah, it might might be a family thing. Might be wanting to go back home because he, he will not. So he will not be getting paid Montpellier money in, no. in New Zealand. Not even close. So um, yeah, I watched the first uh, ten minutes. I thought the Chiefs lineup was good. I woke up and I was informed by the commentators it was bad. Why don't you tell me what happened? It was it was just a 
a good game, like you say. I think exactly as we summarised the other game, it was it was this. It was there's an adjustment to the new laws, which made it slightly stop start at time. But you had enough good players with enough ambition to make enough entertaining moments, and then with a brilliant finish to the game with two drop goals, which I can't remember the last time I've seen yeah. a drop goal to win a game, let alone two. Yeah, one to take the lead to the Chiefs from McKenzie, and then bring Gatlin to win it. Yeah. I remember. Drop goals to win it once. Sorry? About seeing three drop goals to win a game. Three to win it? Three. Can you, can you name the game? So two by one player, one by another. Ooh. And I can also remember another game where there was at least two attempts at a drop goal in the same phase of play, maybe even three attempts at a drop goal, and, I, and they still didn't win. I remember, I can't remember who that was, that second one. I remember watching it with you, I think. Bank Delaney for Claire. Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ball into <laughs> in, in, um, into Leicester players, and then eventually he missed. What a signing! Um, <laughs> but, but, but but the first one. No, you're gonna have to tell me. Everyone's favourite player, Gareth Steenson, away at Ulster. I was I worked on that game. I was gonna say I know he knocked. What, yeah, I thought, but I was thinking of one that had lots of drop goals in it. But yeah, I think. Steenson got one, Paddy Jackson got one, Steenson got another. Ah, I don't remember that. I remember Steenson knocking one over to win it. I was, yeah, I was working that night. I chatted to Steenson moments after he did it. Huh. Great man. Because it was Great. one of those times where quite often I'll have it in my head. All right, here's the story of the game from the winning team's perspective. Here are the kind of, here's the essence of what I need to talk about. And then sometimes when a game just flips, all the things I was going to ask are completely irrelevant now. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, good, good shout. It was great to see that. Um, as for, um, and yeah, I think just a summary would be looking forward to see, seeing Crusaders. They are still Crusaders. They've just changed their logo, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Looking forward to seeing Crusaders and New Zealand have a lot of good young players. Yes. In Please. summary. A frightening the, amount of talent. I'm sorry to ask stupid questions. Is this instead of Super Rugby now? Or will Super Rugby carry on later? So... I, I would assume that, and I don't know if this has actually been confirmed, but I would assume that this season's Super Rugby will not continue and they will have a conclusion. Uh, well, it will be concluded and they'll have the, the season next year because the, the, the amount of international travel for, for Super Rugby and the timescales to do it, it just doesn't seem realistic. And Australia are having their own competition. Um, they're having a similar um Super yeah. Rugby Oz type competition, but there's there's no word as to when um, normal. Except that that's not a game of rugby. That's just a pile of whatever money they've got left, and then they just say go, <laughs> release the team captains from corners of the stadium, and they have to go in and grab what they can. Like the, <laughs> like the Crystal Maze. <laughs> yeah. uh, right before we get into the absolute farce that um, is emerging in our domestic rugby, by contrast. Um, a brief non-rugby interlude. I found out about this event, which I thought you'd both appreciate. As we're starting to have you know, more events and more um, mixing of human beings around the world happen, were you aware of this? Go Topless Jeep Weekend. The Go Topless Jeep Weekend. Go Topless Jeep Weekend. Oh, is that why JB's topless? It is now. <laughs> so the, 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 uh, the, the topless refers to the car not the people, by the way, which I was a bit disappointed about. But this is a thing in, uh, I think it's in Texas. Been in quarantine and like I need to get out. 
Cayman Beach and a few drinks and Jeeps. So basically, people turn up at the beach in their Jeeps and then just party. That's it. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I had a scenario this this week. So on um, on Friday, uh, I did a little workout in the garden, and then I decided to meet up a, meet up with a friend. So I, I gave him a call. I went, uh, Elliot, uh, do you fancy going for a beer? And um, knowing, and this is based on the fact that a few weeks ago I went out into Charleston for a little bike ride, and people were drinking pints in the street. They were doing takeout pints. So I went there, and the police now have gone around all of Charlton and the licensing agency, and they've shut down all the bars trying to do takeout pints. So instead, we had to sit in the beer garden, me, 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 my friend, with two cans which we bought from the shop. And we found this out actually because the lady at the shop said, "Oh yeah, we complained about the takeout pints." Uh, you animal! You, what? Who no, complained? Anyway, the lady in the. Um, in the shop selling us the beer that we were about to consume on the streets. Oh, I right. So that's like, I'm all right, Jack. No, I, I, yeah. I, want, I want to have a monopoly here, so I'm getting the police. Yeah. <laughs> that's outrageous. So I, I ended that conversation because I could see it wasn't going in a direction that either party would find satisfying. <laughs> well done. That's, I'm, I'm impressed, JB. That's very unlike you. I'm, I'm, it's good. Um, and then I ended up uh, with these two beers. Uh, and we sat in sat in a beer garden of a pub that was pub that was closed and it was absolutely bloody rammed like rammed every table was full of people drinking well the the, the pub um round the corner from me that's about 200 yards away they they're now open and they do um plastic pints with a lid on it so you can take them away and it's actually a really good pub for food they've got a wood-fired pizza oven and they do a whole repertoire that they're doing as as takeout as well so I'm actually planning at some some point next week to go, and it's, it's right on the canal, to yep, go and have a couple, couple of pints, get a wood-fired pizza, and just sit in the, hopefully, in the sunshine like it's been this weekend. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was a bit indulgent, uh, indulgent yeah, uh, uh, yesterday. I had a, a cheat day, and ended up piling on. I, I managed to get the balls to count up the calories this morning. <laughs> Well, about four thousand eight hundred calories, most of which were consumed after five after five pm. Four thousand eight hundred is okay for a, for a, if you're on a training day. It's not a training day. I do. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! You've what got to take. You've got to look at these things as an average. Your body will just piss and poo most of that out without yeah. worrying about it. Yeah. One day out of seven, you're fine. Yeah, yeah it's fine. It's fine. So, do, do another 100 chin-ups. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so right. anyway, that was... The cops are doing their job as long as they don't be mean to people who are actually being innocent. Then I'm all gravy, baby. There you go. That was the people <laughs> from the Go Topless Jeep weekend. I'm Innoc all gravy, baby. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Wow. wow. Anything, I, I, I'm interested in basically live rugby and just I'm, I get excited about anything that involves people able to have a good time legitimately i can't wait to join in i, I decided i was going to throw away some clothes clothes today uh so i've gone through basically my whole wardrobe trying on uh, shirts and shirts and whatnot i've thrown away a hell of a lot of stuff but it's made me sad now because i've got dressed up in all, this very, all these various outfits and i've literally got nowhere to go even if i wanted to go somewhere i couldn't go somewhere <laughs> uh, soon. soon right let, let's uh, so we've had loads of positives we get, there's, there's no beating around the bush here. This is going to get 
a little bit negative because unfortunately that's that's the that's where we are with English domestic rugby. Yeah. Is, is fast too strong a word? No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, it's can, we exactly... sum, can we just summarise? If, if, if um, for, for anyone that might not have been paying close attention, how, how would you summarise this before we get into the weeds with anything? Okay, so I would do it like this. I would say that at the very start of the pandemic, alarm bells were raised by this initial cut of 25% in players' pay. At that point, there was some goodwill, but there was also some people who were concerned. And I think the goodwill between the RPA and the, the uh, and Premier Rugby meant that the RPA did not decide to do anything of any substance which would help their membership. In fact, they just waved everything through. Other players that saw the writing on the wall yes. tried to form a second organisation, which I won't go into any further now, um, and then, lo and behold, shock horror, the 25% pay cuts, which we thought might eventually become um, permanent pay cuts, have become permanent pay cuts. And the RPA, who were not prepared to fight it at the start, now, now can't fight it because of lots of legal, um, legal ter- terminology. But effectively, RPA, uh, the pre- Premier Rugby put themselves in a situation which makes it far, far more difficult for the, uh, the RPA to, to, to strike or basically win this thing. In fact, from my point of view, it might even be over as as a contest. And amongst all this, you've got the terrible messaging from Premier Rugby, who at this point, I mean, yes, well done. You've managed to outsmart the RPA considerably, but at, at what cost? And in the process of doing so, you've just dragged the game game through the mud. I mean, the messaging. I mean, can can we just have a think about this for one second? Which is, we've we've got Premier Rugby and... You know the messaging that they put out. Oh, aren't we? Aren't we inclusive? Um, here's uh, this inclusive day, that inclusive day. Charity this, charity that. Community, good people, values. Stuff it, shove it. I mean, you. They they have acted in the most monumentally um, unethical way, and the players are meant to. The players are meant to swallow it, and the fans are meant to swallow it, and we shouldn't. And they're just massive, massive hypocrites, particularly the people doing the messaging at Premier Rugby. I, I, they, at this point, they, they should really stand down. Uh, the RPA have been completely naive, and as such, they're not going to be able to represent their players as they should have be, been able to if they'd taken a stance on this right at the outset. Right. So I think broadly where we are. The other thing to sort of throw into the mix is the, the the salary cap adjustment, which is the missing piece of that little yes. jigsaw re- relating to the twenty five percent. Yeah, and just before we do that, because that, that's a big missing piece actually, and that that really crystallises the club's intentions when we start talking about the, that salary cap change. Just just on the the first bit, my understanding is the second round of twenty five percent pay cuts. So the first bit was a temporary. Um, reduction of 25%, which was broadly aligned to COVID-19. Um, the second round of it, now I don't know where that is. I, do, I don't think that has been um, actually crystallised or solidified in terms of the players because the players would actually have to sign something to change their contracts to do yes. that. You, you cannot unilaterally enforce a permanent 25% pay cut and the players accepted the first one because goodwill and all the rest of it, the JB mentioned before. The second one, the RPA's advice, any anyone advising the players would be, do not sign that, that contract. If you've got a three-year contract that is 100K a year, do not re-sign another one that says 75K a year. You would be mad to do that. And the, the clubs are 
bold to even consider doing that um yeah. to consider offering them but they so can only the clubs can only offer it they cannot legally enforce that and if they do it would be a unilateral repudiatory breach of contract so tell me where you stumble this bill i'd be interested to know what what you think this is this is where i get completely outraged now what they're saying to the players is take a 25 percent pay and now this is permanent as we expected it probably would to it, it probably would to, to, turn into now, at this point, I'm actually not that bothered about the 25% pay cut. As a breach of contract, fine. Um, you know, there are remedies for that. Here's what I get bothered about. The fact that they're saying to the players, yeah, but you still have to, you still have to play here. If you want to cut someone, someone's pay, you should then allow them to go out onto the open market and see if they can find alternative employment. You can't simultaneously say, we're going to cut your pay, but hey, you're still the biggest asset to the club and you're still going to stay here come what may. And also, no one's going to sign any of the players because we've stitched us up. And this is where we don't know what's going on, but there are, it looks shady. Um, so the salary, the, the, the premiership clubs a week or so ago all agreed to sign up to the new reductions in the salary cap, which will be over the next two or three seasons. Yeah. After which it will be reviewed. And I think the, the, the reduction is t- roughly 20%. So the player salary reduction is broadly in line with the reduction in the salary cap. You can kind of understand what's going on there um, overall. And also they've got the big stick to beat the players with, which is, oh, okay, you want to go? Go, but um, no, uh, no England caps for you. So they've basically got everyone exactly where they want them. Sorry, the one thing that they, they don't have them where they want them is the players don't have to sign these deals. As in, it, if, if these are replacement deals, if a player's on a, a one-year or a two-year or a three-year contract for 100K and the, the club puts in a, a replacement contract for that, the players don't have to sign it. And if the, right. club, if the club dishonour their original agreement, that is perfect for legal action. Yes. So there is another element of this, okay? And I do not know the legal ins and outs of it. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, this is the uh, authority on the subject, I really am not. But this is broadly how it goes. The RPA had certain deadlines to hit to talk to, uh, talk to RPA. They miss those deadlines. Now, when they miss those deadlines, it means that strike action is much, much harder to take, particularly against the RPL. So, these players can't go on strike across the board against the RPL. They have to go on strike now against each individual club, which, if you think about it, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is because now you're striking against 13 different clubs rather than just one organisation, legal fees. Um... And, and by the way, what, what the Rugby Players Association have said is that um, they were... They had, a, they had meetings booked in and thought they were going to have what was a constructive chat, which actually turned into be quite a hostile conversation. That, that was, that's their side of things. They were asleep at the wheel. I mean, if anyone's been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I can tell you right now that they... Well, we, I, I, I've been saying this about their, their representation now. That they're very good on the welfare. They're very good at lots of things. They, are, they were completely... They were completely asleep at the wheel when it came when it came to the finances and when you're dealing with people who own rugby clubs these people are phenomenally successful and they're successful because they're smart and they're very hard to you know get one over on it's no it's no surprise to me that the that the rpa have uh, uh, have been outgunned here and the last thing i'd say on this which again was completely predictable is as soon as the rpa stepped out of line there was um a quote, I can't remember, it was definitely in the Times, uh, 
but you know the, the threat now is well we'll defund the defund the RPA well that's ridiculous I mean the RPA is not there to be the friend of PRL it's there to rep is there to represent the players and the players have a look at this as well and think can we have a union with a sustainable sustainable business model or a sustainable funding model I should say which doesn't rely on the club owners throwing us cash every uh, um, every now and again again the RPA should, should have thought about this five six years ago and, and in terms of the clubs there is some there seems to be some friction because it appears that like the, the clubs are behave well some people are accusing them of behaving in quite unscrupulous ways for example because of the new salary cap the deadline was brought in for June the 18th so that anyone who's under contract on that date only 75% of their contract will count towards future of towards the salary cap but what what is being rumored to be happening now is with that that's being used as a loophole to try and get players to sign up to new long-term contracts on less money by that date so that only 75 percent of their contract for a longer period of time counts which Uh, isn't what the if that is happening that is not what that regulation was brought in to do and it's it's treating it as a loophole I mean, the regulations and the, the change of regulations, this is something that we flagged a few weeks ago when we were reviewing the um, Lord Miner's report into Saracens, that the clubs who are PRL, they, their hand is on both sides of the tiller. They're creating the rules and then also enforcing the rules and then also trying to operate within the rules. And as soon as they find something they, they don't like, or something that is going to make people look bad or um, be unmanageable for them. They're changing the rules and then operating besides the change rules. And we saw it in 2015 when there was a, an off-the-table deal done for Saracens and potentially other clubs. And we saw it in 2019 when Saracens, or maybe it was even early 2020 when Saracens, the rules were changed to relegate Saracens, even though that wasn't part of the rules. Um, and they're, they're just, again, like the Miners report was flagging the lack of transparency and the unscrupulous dealings, to use the words that you, you mentioned before, Tim, that were um, har- actually harming the league because y- you lose trust in the, the governing organisation of the league that we all love and want to be watching. So exactly. that, it's, that bit is the most frustrating bit. And to add to that, the way that this has been managed and messaged out into the, the open... Oh is just the communication from PRL and the clubs through PRL is just awful. What, what Premier Rugby should have, really, is a governance structure where it actually has some teeth. And the, the, you know, the club owners can obviously give it a mandate you know, once a year, but there should be a, you know, a commissioner or you know, an enforcement office. And, you know, there's, there's all sorts of boring contraptions at the administration level which they need to build in in order, you know, in order for it to have... Uh, credibility but no I'm not I, you know, I understand why clubs are trying to game the system to benefit the club that, that's actually their job if they weren't doing that I'd be very disappointed uh, I'd also expect the RPA to be trying to game the system in order to protect the players and do everything in you know if anyone if I was in a union and someone even raised the prospect of a pay cut you better believe that I'd be fighting that to- tooth and claw and that's going back to your um Labrador analogy with the, with the RPA I, I can't help but thinking the players should have known that the RPA is not necessarily always going to be fighting for their best interest in this regard when part of their funding comes from the RFU and PRL 
and yeah. that's the that's the bit like as as a player or as anyone advising a player they should have got independent legal advice the second that anything like this any yeah. the second that any contract got waived anywhere near them they should have been having separate totally independent legal advice on that the specifics of that contract for them they shouldn't in my mind have been going to a, an organization that is as conflicted as the rpa is yeah and you know back to the thing which we, uh, which i mentioned before because i really want to hammer this home it's not fair for the clubs and again it's not if the clubs can get away with it get away with it but the rpa should really pick up on this it is not fair for the clubs to say yeah you are our biggest assets, but we're not going to release you from the contract. If they, if they said, look, if you can get a better deal for yourself before before kickoff, whenever that whenever that kickoff is, please take it. But the situation that we're in, we can't afford to pay you. This is this this is this is the new deal. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. But the fact that they're not allowed to go, and, you know, offer their services elsewhere, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Should we talk about something slightly more positive? Yeah. Um, Ealing Trail Finders. Yes. Have you have you seen the the number, but also the quality of some of their signings? Well, you know who's responsible for them. Uh, what's his name? Alex Shaw. Of Alec, course. Alex Shaw. Yeah. Serial Alex Shaw, general manager of gen, general manager of general managers. Yeah, he seems to be doing an absolutely great job there. What is what is his role? No, he's on, the, he's on he's on the young the young end. Yeah, the academy like talent. the academy talent ID at the younger end. Yeah. academy. But I'm I'm led to believe he has a role higher up the higher up the food chain too, uh, as well as um, dovetailing that with some really good opportunities with Brunel University to make sure that the young players are getting educated and also um, enjoying their time at Ealing. So it's it's far more actually than just doing the. Um, just doing the 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 academy. So. I, I I mean I, I could have done that job and said Guy Thompson's a really good player signing. <laughs> to be to be fair, Guy Thompson <laughs> is a, a very good signing. Good bloke, just a great bloke, just a, he, a leadership character, tough. Yeah, really and, good character, and he's he, been at that level before. He know he knows how to win in that league. But also, also he's the sort of player that Leicester Tigers should really sign. Yeah, he was one of Leicester's best players for the past season or two. Quite injury prone, I will say. He he has he hasn't been able to he hasn't been robust physically. True, and he's thirty three now. Yeah, he's he's getting on a little bit, but he's still a damn fine player. Yeah, he but is. to add add to him, so Charlie Walker comes back to the UK, back to London. Yep. Dean Hammond has gone from Worcester. Sean Moulton as hooker. Simon Uzokwe, who's a, a powerful um, Num- Newcastle, from Newcastle yeah. yeah, Newcastle back row. To add, and they were the ones announced this week to add to a number of um, talented players who've got Premiership and other level experience. Now, it's, it's an interesting experiment, and uh, depending on what on earth happens with the Championship and the Premiership and completing the season and all the rest of it, who knows? But it's not the they're not building a team that are going to beat Saracens next year, but they're building a team. If these guys are committed and, and they're doing it in the right way, they might be building a team like Exeter built a team 10 plus years ago, a, well, a, a squad to get up and have longevity. Hear me now, believe me later, right? If the rugby landscape is as 
fluid as it seems at the moment. And I say fluid, um, and then I'm going to add adding liquidity within clubs. So, you know, um, we could see a situation where actually the most valuable thing a club can have is stability at a financial level and at an ownership level. And if Ealing can, can prove that not only do they have uh, a, a good owner, which they clearly do, but also the ability to pay players and sustain themselves at the top level, they might find themselves um, in, in, in the Premiership or whatever might replace the Premiership in, in the future much quicker than people expect. Uh, you know, if a Wasps goes under or a Worcester, they're going to need teams up there to replace, to, to replace those organisations immediately. And Ealing will, um, uh, uh, will, will be there and ready. Mm. And, on, and on Wasps, I don't know what we read into Nizam Carr going back to South Africa. Could just be one of those things. It could be a sign of, an, uh, you know, uh, players going to be leaving at a faster rate. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because he's a good player. He's, he's a kind of player who I think, I, I think he's very, very talented. He's asked to do a big ball carry number eight role, which he can do to a degree, but he's not a Nathan Hughes or a Billy or a Ben Morgan type. He's a very good, he's more of a, um, in my mind, like a Guy Thompson who can do the, do the number eight role, but a bit more athletic, a bit smaller, he's, a bit faster. He's a decent premiership player and always about reliable. Yeah, but he does, in my mind, he needs a big ball carrier alongside him, so he's not doing the majority of the carrying. Ashley Johnson's gone as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. Does, I think it is, because you know, I like him as a, as a ball carrier, as a player, as a back row, and also cover for hooker. Uh, yeah. He's, real... he's, he's been very good for the last few years for his versatility. There's not many yeah. players who offer that level of versatility and, and are that good in two positions at number two and number six. Um, talking of clubs with huge ambition, well-managed, um, the rest of it, uh, I believe some, one club is looking at a new stadium and someone around here might have a bet. Someone might hit around here might turn into the lady in the bloody shop who um, tried to get takeaway pints banned, Philip Logan. <laughs> So if with this story coming out about a potential um, return to sale of sale, um, can you now finally admit, JB, as sale seem to be admitting themselves, that the AJ Bell is a disa- was a disaster? Well, disaster is a strong word. I, I like the AJ. I really like the AJ Bell. And should st- sale decide to stay there, I could think of worse places to spend my Friday nights. Um, I tell you what, if sale leave, it'll be a bloody disaster. It'll be an absolute unmitigated disaster. Now, I don't know the ins and outs. I can only tell you what um, I've seen on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this stadium move would re- is really to force the hand of, of the council. I mean, there is a stadium there. If sale leave, you know, Salford City, Reds can't fill that, fill that stadium. I don't know which football team can, uh, can possibly play, play there. Uh, it... It begs the question why it's even there. Should sale move? Uh, the other thing which is interesting is, do you remember on Twitter a while ago there were some pictures of um, a senior a senior staff from a rugby team going to Racing? Yeah, 92. all the sale sharks lot at, at Racing ninety two Thunderdome. That who it was? I, I don't remember. But I, I, <laughs> but I wonder. I wonder if that could influence the sale sharks designs in any way whatsoever. And yeah. I. Just, I, I heard you were texting Diamond to try and get on that trip, JB. 
<laughs> I, I, don't, I don't, don't even have his number. Um, I would say this. I just hope there's no local Karens around Sale that might try and kick up a stink. Oh, well. A few you, of them. Have, There'll be a few you, of them. Like, like there's, there's one in Bath that scuffed, one person managed to scuff at the new Bath Stadium for years. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get in touch with that one person. And find out how they, find out how they did it. Yeah, I hope, I hope no one's looking at looking at council maps, for instance, and trying to <laughs> cause problems. Yeah, I hope I hope I hope no one, but particularly if it was someone I knew that was looking up uh, where floodplains are and um, well, inf- some, infrastructure and greenbelt land and things like that. I mean, if, if someone did just happen to uh, pull up the um, Trafford Council planning maps of the specific area that um, sale are now saying they're looking to develop they would see that there are uh, there appears to be four levels of protection for that specific plot of land and a specific plot of land which is as the crow flies less than 400 meters away from my house out, just just out out of interest what, uh, what, imagine that i can come to your house for, for a quick a quick coffee before heading to the aj bell with you together <laughs> Would, uh, but is uh, are they built? Are they looking to build it where Trafford Metrovic Rugby Club is? Sorry, uh, sorry if this no. is inside baseball. Basically, yes, yeah, sa- Sale are looking to move back to their Heartland Sale, but not so not there. No, Friday, basically. Yeah, which oh, okay. is the other side oh, of yeah, those big fields there. Yeah, we yeah. all. It would be bloody brilliant. Well, do you know what? I, I was that I was down that way this week because I did a U-turn by the TFI Friday where Sale's new ground would be on the left. To go to the tip, I went to the yeah. tip on Monday. Oh, it's a beautiful thing! <laughs> so excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think it'll be a great stadium there. If um, you know, if for instance they've taken any inspiration, for example, from Racing, um, it will be uh, it'll be one hell of a thing, and it just shows the ambition of the club and this uh, this and the other, and it's walking distance for us for us all. Wonderful news. It, it certainly would be walking distance for me. <laughs> it, is, it is a stone's throw from our house, which that yep. does... Growing up to be a massive sale Sharks fan. Well, it, it does raise some other concerns for me. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> if, I'm, I mean, I know, I know what sales say their uh, normal attendance is. I know what I think it normally is, but it's, it's at least a few thousand people normally go to the stadium and a few thousand people go in either via tram or via car. It, it, there are concerns about that that it must be said from from certain people who live within 400 meters of where that proposed stadium might be who might voice that said concern at uh, well and, uh, and 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 if particularly if they were in the construction industry professionally they'd understand how and when to lodge that uh, that issue they might it's- It'd be very funny in future episodes of the podcast where we address the issue of the stadium and Phil's mic cuts out. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm already professionally dealing with um, the construction of another stadium. Um, I'm looking at um, Everton's new stadium, which has its own planning and logistical nightmares because it's built on an existing dock um, that's got to be filled in, which is a fascinating project. But... Um, I definitely want that stadium to go ahead. This stadium, right now, I'm, I'm, so I'm waiting to see more on the plans. Well, the Everson, okay. How will the new Everson Stadium compare to say, the Tottenham top Stadium? Are you, are you allowed to say? Um, it, it will be comparable. It, it will, it will, it's certainly, um, they have aspirations from a 
technological um, AV broadcast perspective to have some of the innovation that um, Tottenham want. Really? And um, how comparable would it be to say the Racing Stadium? <laughs> Having not been to La Défense Arena, I don't actually know. I, I really need to get to to that to Racing. Yeah. Um, before before we're done, just uh, Matt Coglins tweeted us at Rugby Podcast and said, um, "So it was the US MLR draft this weekend. Would we like to see that system in the UK?" No, broadly, you'd have to totally rip up everything to be able to do it. So uh, drafts, drafts are fascinating. I think it's really interesting, the, the strategy element to it and the trading element of trading picks for players and all the rest of it. It's just, it works in US with the college system. In UK rugby, you would have to totally like destroy all of the, the, the fundamental structures for rugby and then yeah. reallocate it. And unless, you, unless you could say um, whoever finished bottom gets to pick one player who is 20 or under well i would do it i personally would do it like this uh, your academy is your academy pick and choose who you want whatever at the end of the year um, all the players that want to come to the premiership have to make their intentions known they enter they enter the draft oh, and at okay. points all the foreign players can, can get can get drafted in draft order according to how the the premiership finished its league um, the problem with that though is if you have mortgage bill if you have if you have, if you have mortgage payments or you know high high expenses and a relatively limited time frame to earn you probably want to make sure you know why you're leaving say glasgow in order to enter this draft because you might not get the deal that you want and that's a bit of a yeah the first pick in the nfl draft has got enough money that doesn't really matter whether they're going to new york or cincinnati or detroit or whatever they're, they're going to be able to live in uh, comfortably equally on the flip side if Bowden Barrett did come to the premiership he doesn't want to go to Worcester with yeah. the greatest of respect to Worcester he doesn't want to go there uh, he, he wants to he'll want to go and live in London for a bit yeah so I guess I mean maybe Worcester don't want to spend all that money on Bowden Barrett that'd be the other thing I mean you've got the first pick, pick in, in the draft Bowden Barrett's available but maybe you don't want to spend 600,000 maybe you want to spend 200,000 on three back row yeah, it, it, that side of things doesn't. It just doesn't work with the way that salaries work as well. Be cool um, if there. If it'd be there, cool if something could work though. There was yeah, World Rugby would. I'm sure this is right that they were tr- trying to put in or did put in place. A, I think it was a Pacific Island Combine, where the players all got together for uh, they, training and then testing, which then puts them so it puts them on the in the shop window of. The, the world's clubs which is that's quite a good idea that's the kind of thing and that that works better for like academy level type players french, french, french clubs are doing that in south african schools now as well like they're getting <laughs> those players out at 18 years old 17 16 17 and in fiji as well and in fiji the, yeah the french french clubs i'm just trying to think of what i was about to say damn it never mind sorry i had something very very profound to say then. never mind oh i apologize <laughs> oh yeah do you have anything to announce about anything we're doing with world rugby or oh, in, in, in a second as well uh, Ben Askham um, at Rugby Podcast said following Gatlin Jr's drop kick to defeat Gatlin Senior any, are there any other examples of family matchups in rugby history uh, yeah Farrell's 
The Farrells played on the same team, didn't they? And against each other, England, Ireland, coach, player. Fords? The Fords. Yeah. Uh, Has Ford ever played against Ford? Yes, when he was... So there's quite a famous story of one of the defence coaches pointing out that... No, one of the attack coaches saying that they thought Leicester's defence was weak at 10. And Mike Ford saying, I, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was that. Uh, yeah, they played... Playing against each other, then I'm trying to think if there's another one. Um, so many co- so many uh, sons play for their dads, though. So the uh, Youngs played together, Ackermans, Grayson, yeah. The um, best so I'm aware of um, prop brothers who've played against each other internationally. Who's that? Um, the Mar Afus. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Campisi and Salisi. Salisi, yeah, and they 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 played Fiji versus Australia with Campisi at loosehead and Salisi Marafu at tighthead. That's very right. cool. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. Who won? Uh, probably Australia. By no, the way. I mean... No. <laughs> Australia. Was that game uh, on watch um, England-Argentina? Was that what, sorry? Was that game on when we went to watch England-Argentina? Uh, no, this is um, a good few years ago. This is not this World Cup. It's, no. it's quite a while ago. Uh, so, something JB just mentioned, do we have anything to announce? And... Uh, yeah, we don't have a date for this, a precise broadcast date. However, yeah, we we can let you know that something exciting is coming where we are going to be doing a watch along on World Rugby's channel of a classic game that we have picked, and we'll keep the game under wraps for now. We'll keep the game under wraps for now, and we'll announce that when when we have a broadcast date. But yeah, just putting it on your radar as because we want you to be involved in this and and give your comments and watch with us. We'll be doing a watch along on World Rugby's uh, channel, YouTube channel of a classic game that we have picked from a from a World Cup in a year gone by. I think that's going to be coming up at the end of this month, so we'll probably be able to tell you in the next week. We'll be able to tell you this time next week when that will be. Exciting. Which is very cool. But uh, any other business? Uh, I'm sure I've got some, something to say. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. All, all good. 
Uh, the other thing that I did see, did you see the American woman teaching other Americans how to make a cup of tea? Oh, oh my, my God. Now, this is not the first time that these clowns have done that. Yeah, let me play, let me play it if anyone missed it. So fill our mug with water, put it in the microwave. Now, the, the putting it in the microwave thing, I will let them off because Americans don't have kettles, do they? That's not a thing. What? But, um, is it not? No, Americans don't have kettles. But anyway, let's, let's, let me play the rest. So fill our mug with water, put it in the microwave, pour the milk in, drop your tea bag in, and that's how you make hot tea. Are they just trolling us for clicks? Well, I'm sure there's a worse one than this. They've got like Horlicks and they've got, I'm, I'm sure that this, that this couple are, are, exact, are doing exactly that, which is surely just trolling us. That, that's the way I read it. That that was it made me that, that is just the worst cup of tea. <laughs> so annoying. I even have an I even have an issue with when you've made a cup of tea and you forget about it. I even have a slight issue with putting it in the microwave to warm it back up again. Me too. Right. Do you remember QT? Not the wrapper. QT. QT was a brand by PG Tips. PG QT, I think it was. It was sort of a quick tea. Oh yeah, it was like a it was like a powder powder. It was like coffee but tea. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was QT that was a thing for a tiny amount of time. Thank God that died died away. But I, the I thing, don't remember that at all. Yeah, I, the thing I can't quite get my head around, or can't kind of buy into. I can buy into specialty specialty coffees, specialty beers. I can't get into specialty tea yet. I certainly not as a replacement for my actual cup of tea. You can you can buy um, PG Tips original tea granules uh, yeah. on Amazon. There you go. So I guess it, I guess it'd be useful if you're camping or something like that. Just Is just what, what, while while we're talking tea, um, like on on the one hand, you go, oh, that's great. There's uh, there's you know there's tea companies coming out and um, and letting all their customers know that they really. That they're they're not racist and they really care about racist issues, uh, you know, anti-racist issues, which, which is great. On the, on the other hand, I am always I can't help but be suspicious of brands. It's like my default position would be, you make tea, um, you you probably, uh, you know, you're a corporation that makes tea. You're probably not racist. Um, probably that, that would be my default position. <laughs> but when, but when all these corporations come out and tell me they're not, I start to go, what? Hold on a minute. What are you hiding? How? Where did yeah. you? Oh, it did come from India. How did it get here? Um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, just on tea, uh, <laughs> are you aware of the old Tommy Cooper joke, Tim? I, I know Phil is because I told him, told him last night, I think. I don't, so, don't think so. You know when you go to a hotel, someone takes your bags up to the room? I think it's a, to, a, a, a Tommy Cooper gag. Um, and the usual thing is they take you up to the room. I, I used to do this job as a 15-year-old. Uh, you show the guests around their room, you show them where the tea, coffee is, and you know, the light switch. Stand there politely waiting for a couple of quid. Exactly right. So Tommy Cooper used to take tea bags uh, with him to, um, <laughs> to his hotel room. And then, uh, then when the bellboy would turn around, he'd turn, turn around and then pretend to put a fiver into his top, top pocket and go, there you go, son. Get yourself a drink. <laughs> and the guy would like, just <laughs> pick out a tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very good. <laughs> very good. That's uh, very good. What way to end? That's a lovely way to end. Brilliant. Good. We've got actual rugby in our life, and um, uh, the games next week. What are they? Uh, Crusaders are involved now, are they? Yeah, 
I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing Crusaders. I think when the Crusaders play Blues, that to me feels like the one I want to watch most. Uh, next week we have Hurricanes versus Crusaders and Chiefs v the Blues. Fantastic. Lovely. It might be a Marchant Dan Carter special next week. Who knows? Right. Uh, follow us. We've got another podcast coming in your feed tomorrow looking at Australia v New Zealand from the year 2000, which is on uh, the official All Blacks YouTube channel in good quality and uh, with all the build-up. And yeah, it's, watch that game in preparation for the podcast mm. coming in your feed. Other than that, uh, we'll see you on that and uh, let the boys play. Let the boys play. So, yeah, if you can watch that by, by tomorrow evening, we'll do a quick half hour on that tomorrow. Yeah, which one is it? Um, uh, Australia, New Zealand, 2000, 2000. Game yeah. of the Century. It's on the All Blacks YouTube yeah. channel. If you just search for Australia, New Zealand, 2000, it, it's that game. I'll try to find it. <clears throat> you mentioned earlier that you love the, the like, Larkham era. It's, it's that. So it's Larkham, yeah. Gregan, Latham, Joe Roth. It's when they target uh, Lobby, isn't it? They didn't actually... From what I saw, they didn't target Lobby very much at all. Not as much as France did in that, in that yeah. game the year before. Nowhere near as much. Isn't it, all the winners like Ben Tune and Joe Roth? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, Roth and uh, Mortlock. Sterling Mortlock. Got the wing? Yeah. yeah. Scored two tries. On Latham, the Latham at fullback. Jason, said- Lit- Jason Little in the centre. It's good. It's good. It's, it's an amazing game. One where they score loads of... Lo- oh, hang on. No, I'm thinking of the one where they score three, three tries early doors. Yeah, New that, Zealand score one. three tries in four minutes. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah, yeah it's awesome good. game. It's well worth a watch. Right, sweet. Well, we'll have a quick one tomorrow evening sometime then, so we'll work out times tomorrow. But Cool. Well, nice one. I'll get that. Bye. Top work. See you, chaps. 